This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101, as always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. Scentlock is um, leaps and bounds the best I've found I absolutely love uh, their carbon technology for maximum odor absorption. That, and they've got the clothing that gets me all the way through every single season um, that the Midwest can possibly throw at you. I've got on the phone a special guest, also a guest that is no stranger to Scentlock. I've got Mr. Aaron Amber, president and CEO of Scentlock. Aaron, how are you, man? Hey, Dylan, that's a heck of a intro, man. I'm doing great. Uh, happy belated Thanksgiving to you, and thanks for uh, asking me to join to have a conversation with you today. Absolutely, man. It is always a pleasure to have you on. It's always a pleasure to talk hunting, and uh, I get to live vicariously through you because uh, you seem to have an incredible season thus far. <laughs> you know, I like my last post said, sometimes, you know, I feel more lucky than good sometimes. But in, in, as you know, in hunting, sometimes luck uh, is, is what you need to close the deal. So, yeah, I've had a, a really blessed fall and and had some luck along the way. And, and uh, it's it's been good. I, I ain't going to lie. It's been real good. Now, you're not done yet, are you? No, I got one more little hunt uh, coming up here. I leave for uh, Iowa on uh, friday so i have a uh, hunt uh, gun hunt in iowa coming up on saturday the first uh, gun season and uh i've been looking forward to that i haven't gun hunted in a long time so uh looking forward to that coming up uh soon dylan you know i actually i'm 98 percent bow hunter 99 percent bow hunter and uh i was the same i hadn't rifle hunted in a long time went home uh back to arkansas for thanksgiving uh, had one, one day and one tag to hunt with my dad there in the Ozarks. And, and, uh, we sat in his, in his tower blinds with rifles and I had an absolute blast. I'll tell you what though. Um, I, I kind of felt uncomfortable, you know, uh, <laughs> usually, usually switching to a, a, a rifle might make a guy be like, man, this is easy. Um, but, but when you shoot a bow 364 days a year, and then you shoot a rifle one day a year, it's kind of intimidating. Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's been, I, I started to do the math. I think it's been 20 plus years since I've used a firearm and, and I'm going to try that new 350 legend and excited about it. And, and I hate to say it, but after as many uh, hours as I've logged in a tree stand here with a bow and arrow here the last couple of months, it's, it's going to be kind of nice to have a little equalizer. It'll still be a tough hunt, but looking forward to it, actually. I, 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 uh, I think it'll be good. Yeah, no, it'll be a blast. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. it. Ended up, um, uh, me and my dad both shot a doe, and uh, just just a, a really fun time, man. We, um, my dad calls me. Um, I was supposed to show up to hunt on Tuesday. He calls me on Saturday, and he had already tagged out both of his bucks, and so, um, he was just sitting there hunting uh, Saturday morning. You know, two days, three days before I got there, and uh, and he saw an absolute giant 
And my dad's the kind of guy that, that really doesn't get fired up about anything, you know? Um, you know, if, if I send him a picture of a deer, he's like, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty nice deer, man. You know, he's not one to, to, to over, uh, exaggerate anything. And, uh, so when he calls me freaking out, I'm like, this has to be a special deer, uh, because this just isn't my dad. And he says, dude, uh, you, you've got to get here, man. Um, and so that, that Tuesday morning, uh, we're on the way out to the blind. He's like, man, I just have a feeling. I have a feeling that buck is going to show back up. And I said, well, dad, you know, it, it is, it is the rut. Um, the rut takes place a little bit later there in Arkansas. And so I said, you know, dad, it is the rut. So that deer could be four or five miles away. And, uh, he said, man, I just, I just got a feeling he's going to be there. So we set that morning and, uh, he's part of a hunting club down there. And so one of the, one of the members of his church, uh, is part of the club and we meet him on the way in and, you know, good luck. You two guys, you know, y'all have fun. And, uh, we went on our ways and, and, and he's an older gentleman, the, the guy that we met and, uh, you know, I've known him my whole life and, and, and my dad's been friends with him his whole life. And so we're sitting there and we hear a shot crack off and my dad says dude that was dennis and uh and five seconds later we hear another shot crack off and so my dad texts him says hey man you what'd you shoot and uh didn't hear anything back and so he started getting a little worried he's like man um you know dennis is the kind of guy that that's going to go out and try to drag a deer out himself and uh he actually got hurt a year ago trying to do it and uh fell and broke his his leg i believe and so my dad's like, man, this is kind of worrying me. And so he tries to call him. He doesn't answer. And so he's like, man, I, I don't want to booger up or hunt, but I'm going to get out and, and drive the four-wheeler up to, to check on him. I'm like, that's fine, dad. You know, you need to. And uh, so he drives his four-wheeler up and he drives back a, a few minutes later. He's like, yeah, he said he shot at a, at a big buck and um, d- d- doesn't think he hit it. Couldn't find anything. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, so we keep hunting and, and, uh, it wasn't long before here comes Dennis on his four wheeler and he pulls up to the blind. And he says, Hey, I, I didn't think I hit it, but I, I walked off and I, I found it. And, and yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big buck. And, uh, my dad's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll climb down and we'll come help you pull it out. Don't, don't try to do it yourself. And so we climbed down and we're pulling up and I can see horns in the grass. And I'm like, is that him, dad? Is that the one you're talking about? He's like, Nope, don't think so. And, you know, giving me high fives or whatever. And we pull up a little closer. My dad says, Oh crap. <laughs> and uh and so you know we had one day to hunt and that deer ended up getting shot like 600 yards from from where we were sitting and uh and so he said i told you he'd be back he just didn't come back in front of us but uh still a great day man yeah well that's i guess someone was rewarded with a great buck so it sounds like it's uh meant to be right yeah it was an absolute it was it was a tank man for for arkansas um I think it, it probably went 135, maybe 140, um, which for Arkansas, that is an absolute tank. It had some great mass, uh, some really cool characteristics in the antlers with, with some holes going up in the antlers. Just really cool buck. Um, oh, amen. So we went back that evening and held out for, for a buck as long as we could, but both ended up shooting does. So so it was a it was a good time. So Yeah, punch your tags. So that's good and got some meat for the family, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now. It is December 1st, Um, and I'll tell you, Aaron, I get the most question I get um, about my clothing or my clothing system um, is about late season, specifically between the new Divergent and the Fortress, Um, and and why those are different and kind of how each one would be used. Um, So with it kicking off December 1st, um, I actually uh, had a guy yesterday morning call me and say, hey, man, I got to get me a late season suit. Um, divergent or fortress, and I'm like, well, why don't you listen to Wednesday's episode and we'll talk about it. Um, <laughs> so, what is the difference between the divergent and the fortress, and why one over the other? Yeah, it's a great question, Dylan. That that we get quite often. Um, I will tell you the why in the road. Um, in in other words, why you would go left for fortress or right for divergent would be more around precipitation than anything. So, um, I hunted the last um probably three weeks. Um, and it was, you know, I was in Nebraska last week over Thanksgiving and we were in the single digits in the morning and it was getting up to mid thirties during the day. And I was wearing the divergent. I was actually wearing the divergent top 
and I was actually, you know, uh, changing between the divergent bottoms and the voyage, as you know, the voyage pant on the bottom. So the reason that I focused on using the divergent when I was out in Nebraska is that we didn't have uh, any threat of moisture. And I was trying to ultimately as bow hunting and I was trying to pay off the quietness. So, you know, the divergent is, is, is slightly quieter than the fortress. And I didn't need a laminated garment, which is waterproof, rainproof, um, which is really where you'd focus on if you were going to go over to the fortress side. So I would tell you if, if moisture is not a concern and you want ultimate quiet and, and versatility, um, definitely go divergent. If you're like, hey, I'm a bib guy, which that's a big difference between divergent. It's a bib and a parka. And and um, I, I want that ultimate protection for snow, sleet, rain. Um, and it's a slightly more windproof than the divergent. I would uh, definitely go with the fortress. So it really depends. Really, I would say moisture is probably the biggest determinant. And then the other thing I would tell you if um, although the divergent has two side zips and a front zip for a pullover, uh, if you're not a pullover guy or don't want the complexity of that, you know, the Fortress is definitely a zip down parka, a little bit easier to get into. But uh, they're definitely uh, uh, similar, but way different on, on the application side. Now, I, uh, I actually, when I got my Divergent series in, which everybody on the podcast has heard me rave about that series, um, <laughs> Super warm, very functional. Um, love the the pocket and the layout and the fit. And uh, I actually texted Steve, um, who, for those of you who have not heard Steve on the podcast before, uh, is the the senior marketing director over at, at Scent Lock. And I said, dude, you guys need to come out with every weight of a Divergent series, like a early <laughs> season Divergent, uh, mid season, late season, uh, because the the functionality of it is incredible. Um, I love the, the layout of that, of that suit. Um, I actually ended up, um, it's only gotten cold enough twice for me to actually hunt out of it because it's gotta be cold to hunt out of it. <laughs> you can't, yep, yep. you can't go out there in no thirties. You'll, you'll sweat. Um, and so it's gotten cold enough twice and I actually ended up shooting one of the deer out of it. Uh, I was wearing it one day when I shot, uh, my buck here in Kansas and, uh, I just absolutely, I love the layout of that suit. So, um, Kudos to you guys. I mean, that is a very, very well thought out and designed suit. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. So you think about a lighter weight version of that. I mean, the reason I love Divergent, too, is to your point about pocket layout. There's nothing better than a kangaroo pocket in your front to put your hands into. A couple hand warmers in there. It's just so comfortable, and your your arms in such a natural position. Um, yeah, it's. I'm I'm glad you enjoy it because it's definitely the best piece we've ever created. It's the most innovative from just how do we provide that nice kangaroo pocket yet allow you to get in and out of it okay. You know, a lot of people have tried side zips in the industry, and it's tough on a side zip to actually pull that off. So I'm glad you've had a great experience. I I coupled that with uh, the heated vest, which. I, I'm telling you, if any listener that hears this hasn't hasn't got one of our heated vests yet, um, it, it's a game changer. I was using the heated vest with the Voyage jacket, and when it was really cold mornings, I was putting the heated vest under my Divergent, and it is a game changer with that 20,000 milliamp battery. You can pump the jams, and I, I'm just to that point, Dylan, where I'd rather be really comfortable than even on the edge of, hey, if a big buck comes through and I might get that chatter going, you know, we've all been there just with that little extra warmth, man, just really calms, calms your body, calms your heart rate and allows you to to definitely perform. So, um, yeah, great question on on the, the divergent versus the uh, fortress, uh, uh, the jackets and pants, you know. Now, the, uh, the uh, reactor heated vest that you're talking about there. Um, that's something that you, you made me super jealous of. Uh, we, we met at Cabela's one day and you showed me a, a first run of it or a prototype of it. And I'm like, Holy cow, this is amazing. And, uh, man, that thing there serves its purpose and serves it well. Um, I found myself, you know, especially late October, early November, uh, you don't want to go in super heavy. So, so I found myself hunting in just a, a base layer and that vest and, uh, and being fine up until last light and then flipping on the heat and being fine. Um, a, a really, again, a really well thought out, uh, design. And that's why, you know, I always talk about, 
um, the versatility of scent lock and being able to get you from from 100 degrees all the way down to negative 10 degrees. Um, and that's what I really look for in a clothing system. You know, I, I don't want something where, well, 90% of what they have is early, uh, 90% of what they have is late season. Um, so I'm either hot or I'm cold. Um, and, and Scentlock really, that's, and these pieces we're talking about are those pieces that, that serve their purpose so well that you can get through, you know, by, by changing out a couple pieces or by changing out a base layer, by turning on the heat on your vest or switching between a, a, a like you said, the, the voyage and the, the divergent, you can find yourself not only warm, um, but comfortable through any sit you're going to go on. And, and that's, well, that, that's what I love about it. Well, and that's why we call it the toolkit, the BE1 toolkit, because you could be wearing the track base layer, which I assume you were wearing. Uh, you can match that with a heated vest, the Voyage pant, Voyage jacket, or you can add the divergent top with the Voyage bottom. I mean, it just has that a la carte uh, options that we believe the technical bow hunter wants. And he can mix and match based upon the conditions he's going to face for that day. And, and ultimately, it delivers you know, the versatility the person needs, the agility. You don't, to your point, you don't want to wear too much, yet you want to have heat when you need it and you want to have ultimate you know that that killer instinct in the tree and knowing that the clothing is going to work with you not against you so um, appreciate you calling that out i uh i one more piece and and i'll move on uh from just raving on scent lock but you spoke about the the trek base layer and that is um has become one of i mean it's the softest thing i've ever put on my body um, but, but it really does offer some incredible warmth for, for whole, not a whole lot of, of thickness or weight. Um, me and my wife went to, uh, the Razorback game, um, and it got pretty chilly and, and, uh, I wore the Trek base layer and my heated vest and, uh, was perfect all game. Perfect. Yeah. That's, that's, I was getting after my son last week as it was a little cool in our cabin we were in. He's wearing that stuff around. I'm like, take that damn base layer off. Get that, get that <laughs> recharge. Get that in your scent-proof bag. He's like, Dad, it's so comfortable to wear around here. It keeps you warm. I'm like, well, you know, I need to get you another pair. <laughs> that's that's so funny because I actually, I told Steve, I'm like, I think I'm gonna need another pair because this is my everyday pair. Now I need a hunting pair. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love. It. I'm glad you love it. You know, it's got that touch of merino in it, and the fabric's really soft. It's brushed on the back. It's just and it fits well. It's, it's a great piece with a little bit of stretch in it. So I'm glad, glad you've experienced that. We've had a lot of good customer feedback on that. And, and frankly, in, in all of our product, the divergence flying off the shelf and Fortress has been strong. So been a good fall for us for sure. So definitely one of those two pieces or combination of pieces is definitely your strategy for late season. Now, before we move on, let me give a quick thank you to our friends over at um, HuntWise. HuntWise is in my opinion, the best in mapping. Um, now you take the maps and then you can add in the hunt cast, which is phenomenal. Um, that can really tell you what days you should be in the stand, what days, um, you know, if you need to skip, it's okay to skip. Um, but also beyond that, they have some incredible deals that you get when you become a member. Um, and on that is scent lock. So I always tell people spend the, the hundred bucks on HuntWise, and you will save your money um, when you place one order at ScentLock and saving 30% off because you're a member of HuntWise. So go to HuntWise.com. You can use code HUNT101 to get 20% off of your membership to HuntWise. And then I promise you'll make that money back on one order uh, at ScentLock. And again, you got to go to the website. You got to go to HuntWise.com to get that discount. You can't get it through the app. Um, so go to the website to activate your membership because it, it truly is the best in mapping um, and hunt predictions that I have found. Um, then you top it off with discounts to our friends like Scentlock, and it's just phenomenal. Um, Aaron, run me through how many how many bucks have you shot this year? Well, I've shot three bucks. Uh, last week, um, I was in Nebraska and took an incredible mid you know mid one fifties buck. Um, you know, it's always tricky this time of year, Dylan, and and part of you know, I'll, I'll make a little bit of segue uh, if you're okay going here is not only late season tactics as it relates to clothing, but late season tactics as it relates to hunting. And uh, I would tell you, historically, at least in the upper Midwest, Thanksgiving week is is always uh, I, it's always intrigued me because I watch a lot of cameras and there'll be bucks that lay down over the first part of, you know, November. They'll be in the seek chase or seeks phase and they'll have lockdown. 
And uh, some of those smart bucks, they start reemerging, if you will, that week later, that first, that week before uh, Thanksgiving and the week of Thanksgiving. And I was lucky enough to to find one of those late does that hadn't been bred yet. And and that was, uh, I think, Tuesday the 23rd, so a couple days before Thanksgiving, which most people would say, well, the rut party's kind of over. Well, I'll tell you that the rut party, uh, th- there's a couple of late stairs, and I had a doe, and, you know, it got light about 6.15 in Nebraska, and that was first shooting light, and I had a doe run down a fence line at 9.15 in the morning, and that's, you know, think about that's three hours after first light, and her mouth was semi-open i could tell she's being chased so i grabbed my bow and she came to kind of the fence line and decided to kind of go towards where my son was sitting and of course i'm thinking there's a bucket right after her and so i waited for about five minutes i was like doggone i i just i really thought that was going to happen and it you know was it was eight or nine degrees that morning and by that time three hours later it was in the low 40s you know it was going to be a 70 degree day in nebraska which is just just incredible and so about 10 minutes later, I was still standing up, and all of a sudden I heard a burp, burp, and I hears this doggone buck coming down the fence line. And I had a target buck that I'd only seen him on camera once. I've been running cameras, Dylan, for probably 90 days out there, and I'd never seen this buck. The first time I'd seen him on camera was actually on the um, 17th of November, which is three days after, before I got there to start hunting. And I'm like, told my son, I said, AJ, it'll be a miracle if we see him on camera while we're there. It'll be a bigger miracle if we see him on the hoof. It'll be a bigger miracle if we actually get a shot. And it'll be the unbelievable experience if someone's able to take him. And I told and my son, AJ, I'm like, hey, dude, here's how this works, man. Because the odds are so stacked against you. I mean, kind of a really transient area hunting along a river bottom where they travel to and fro and cover a lot of miles. Um, I said, whoever gets a shot, I, I, AJ, I love you. I want you to have it. But I'm telling you, if it, he comes in front of dad, he's he's going to get it. So this buck, I mean, it, it's hard shooting a buck when he's rutting anyway, chasing a doe. Remember that doe had a 10-minute head start? And I, it's unbelievable the nose that those whitetail have. He came kind of the not even close to the fence line where she was going to cross and headed the other direction. He he kind of did a an L-shaped curve. And I went, rap, and I went, and he stopped and of course i was a full draw dylan and and you know got lucky on the distance because things happen so quick and delivered an arrow and he uh he went about 10 yards behind a tree and started breathing hard i'm like i i think i got him and it was just kind of back entry in in front of the back uh back back ham if you will and entered and exited uh out the front shoulder and and uh i sit there and all I can see is this buck. I can't see his horns. I can just see his brown body, and he's laid down. And and I, I tried to get another arrow in there, and it hit about four or five trees and banged, and he didn't move. So I'm like, I, I think I got him. So I texted my son, and I'm like, AJ, are you clear yet? And it's like 930 now. He goes, no, Dad, I got a couple of deer. Well, I sat there till 1215. <laughs> and, and finally, my son said, dad I, i'm clear now and i said aj i promise you we'll lay eyes on this buck together first and you know i went over to his tree and got him and came back and show him where the shot was and i said well you go around and look at him and he's right behind here follow the blood trail it was 10 yards literally i shot him at like 34 yards and he was at 44 yards and dad he goes dad i, I think you want to see him so um I would just tell you that it's it's fun when there is some stragglers late in season. And I feel the same way, Dylan, about this weekend. I've killed a couple of giant deer on the 4th and 5th of, of December where those does will cycle one more time, the ones that weren't bred. So I, I, I it, it's not fast and furious, but definitely there's a little bit of rut that will still be going on this weekend in the upper uh, upper Midwest. And then, you know, the try and shoot strategy, especially where it gets cold, is definitely start to, to go to food. You know, everyone's trying to recover. Even that buck I shot, he looked like an old man. He was he was super chesty with no butt, you know, that, and that it takes a toll on these deer when those bucks are running for 30 plus days, not eating, not sleeping much. And they're chasing does. It takes a toll, but it, it can, it can still be a late season strategy. Well, it's Thanksgiving, which we're past or this upcoming weekend in, in December. Uh, there's a little bit of rut that can still be going on. 
You know, I, uh, well, first off, let me say there's nothing like a father's love. Uh, son, I love you, but if that deer comes out, I'm shooting it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, my uh, funny story, my, my wife, um, her her parents' place here in Kansas, it's it's never really been worth much. And uh, and I've talked this scenario before. I actually talked it over with the HuntWise guys on a recent episode. But her this property's never been worth much. And uh, got her a, a, a bow this year. Got her the bear legit. And uh, and she decided she wanted to go out and hunt. And I'm like, well, I'll go I'll go set you a place up out at your parents' house. It's only five acres, um, but it's surrounded by great hunting ground. And I've always known there's been the potential of having deer and so when I first married into the family and moved to Kansas, I, I'd put some some I'd put a couple cameras up out there and I'd get some does and and a couple small bucks run through, but it's just never been worth hunting. So for seven years I've had access to this place and I've never uh, given it the time of day. So I said, "Well, baby, I'll go out and put you a, a, a place up." And so I went out to her parents' house and and uh, you know that's that's beneficial because she can throw the kids inside and grandparents walk them and her go out and hunt and. Uh, and I put a camera out and, and like 10 days later I went and checked it and I was like, sweetheart, you have like five shooters out here and I don't mean shooters for you. I mean, I would shoot them in a heartbeat. And, uh, and she was like, what really? And I'm like, yeah, I mean giants. And, uh, and so I started thinking back, I'm like, what has changed about this property? Like what, what could have caused this property to go crazy like this? And, uh, I thought, well, neighbor built a pond that, that could hold more deer. Um, but that, that just didn't seem logical to me. And, uh, due to the layout of the ground, uh, I won't get into that. But, um, and then I started thinking, I'm like, well, for seven years that I've, I've been in this family, you guys have had a dog. Well, on five acres, if a deer comes on the property, the dog would run out there and run them off. Uh, and this is the first year you haven't had a dog. And so this, this little five acres and their house sits right in the middle of it. I'll, I'll send you trail cam pictures. You can see a giant buck in a house right behind them. Um, and so the dog, it's just, they didn't have a dog anymore. And, and this place has just lit up. It's phenomenal now. And, um, anyways, I was, I was having a lot of trouble with my place and I'm like, babe, listen, I love you. Um, but I'm going to go out and hunt your deer. <laughs> <laughs> and she so politely said, no, you're not. And uh, I said, okay, well, never mind then. Um, but <laughs> kind of same is true with you with your son hey i love you but i'm gonna go shoot those big deer uh, <laughs> difference is she told me no so um no I'll, I'll tell you i actually so so i've got one more kind of late season hunt and uh i leave next week to go to uh liberty ranch there in oklahoma and i was talking to him yesterday i just called him and said hey man how's it looking and uh he said you know i they're responding still really well and this was uh, November 29th. Uh, and he said they're, they're responding really well to grunts and rattles right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he said there, there's still several bucks chasing. And, and to your point, um, of that late rut and that second rut, um, of sorts, it's almost easier to hunt then than the primary rut because primary rut, they're just going crazy. I mean, they're just running around chasing does everywhere. And you might see, you know, three shooters in a day, but they're running 25 mile an hour past you chasing does um and that second rut is really good because if you can trick that buck into thinking that there's a doe over here that that is late they'll run to you and uh and then spend more time like looking around for that for that late doe um and so and I, you know simply seeking a, a lot less does that are available to breed so you got you got the doe numbers on your side as well yeah and so i i, I really love um that that second rut that late rut um because it, it it just seems a little easier uh, to pin down one of those bucks that, that is still looking for, for that doe. Um, you know, rather than – the rut can honestly become frustrating because, I mean, deer are just running everywhere and, and your grunts and your rattles and your doe bleats are not going to do anything for them because they're on live hot does. Um, but, but when that buck is still looking around for that one last doe, you hit that bleat, they'll come running because there are no – they're, they're you know, they don't have any live does with them. They don't have it. They're not on a hot doe. Um, so if you can trick them into thinking that there is a hot doe, um, <clears throat> really just a, a, a great time to be in the woods. So I'm really excited. Well, one of the largest bucks I killed and it was, it was on December 4th and it was probably 2013, 14, right in there. I actually, uh, grunted and bleated him 
and he didn't respond and I and he was a really nice buck and I actually snort wheezed him on December 4th and I got a snort we I got a uh, a response he came right to my tree and 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 you think about that time of year they're beat up they're tired yeah they'll still breed but I'm the last thing they probably want to fight and and I know I'm talking about exceptions, Dylan, but at that point, after you grunt and, and you, you bleat um, and, and they don't respond, the only one thing you got left, right? That's a snort wheeze. And they, I don't only do it on a, a large, mature buck, which he was. And to think that, you know, God bless me that day where that, that son of a gun actually responded to a snort wheeze on December 4th. So um, anything can happen uh, for sure. And, and uh, definitely, I think the biggest thing is for people is I think it's all over after all this gun season goes through and they think their bucks kill. I'm telling you, there's bucks that literally live under rocks once, you know, November 1st starts until the guns leave the woods and, and they will reemerge. And I would just, uh, to the listenership that's on today, just keep your head in the game that they're not all shot. Uh, there's still some ones hanging around and uh it, it can happen to you for sure now i um even, even looking past the second rut even looking past you know december 4th 5th um i love late season hunting man um i i love december 20th um it's dumping snow it's single digits or negative um because you can really like you and you've already mentioned it you can pin them down to food very well um because they they they're they're constantly going to food every day they have to um because like you said their their batteries are depleted um their energy levels are gone and they're trying to stock back up and uh and so it, you know if you have a, a food source in late season um that's almost one of your best times in my opinion one of your best times to nail down a buck yeah i, I like that deal and i think they also lay down their weapons a little bit. They'll still be savvy and smart, but I, I seem to get more daytime pictures late in December. Um, and, and you're right. They can get predictable. They can get on food and get real predictable. And, and uh, they're definitely killable. And you'll, again, it's kind of like this conversation. You'll see some stuff that you haven't seen. I mean, they just show up. And the other thing I will tell people is that they also change where they hang out. So I've seen bucks that, you know, where my property is, they don't, I don't find a lot of sheds. They don't, don't do a lot of wintering, but I've seen places where you won't see any much during the season, but they, they like to winter there. And so you'll have some, some potential bucks that move into your property that like to winter there and it might be close to a food source and they'll hang out there. You may, you know, I'd say anybody that's got a good shed hunting place is a great place to hunt late season. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that for me is the definition of one of my spots. It, uh, you know, that they always have winter wheat and, um, and, and it's laid out in a way where, um, even not just winter wheat, but it's laid out in a way where, uh, they, they have to come through where I'm sitting, uh, to get to the wheat, uh, not have to, I mean, of course they could, you know, do crazy stuff, but, um, they come through where I'm sitting to get to the winter wheat. And, and it's just, you know, the place is great for rut, but again, um, they could be running that whole wheat field and, you know, be 80 yards, 90 yards from you running full speed after does and chasing them back and forth. And, uh, but when it comes to winter wheat, they're going to move into that wheat field and they're going to feed. And, uh, not only that, but, but it's colder. Um, and it's harder for a deer to smell you when it's colder. Um, just like it's harder for, for you to smell when it's cold. It's harder for the deer to smell when it's cold. Um, obviously you can still be busted by your scent. I'm not, I'm not telling you that that's a free for all for your scent. Um, but it's harder for a deer to smell you. Um, also the pressure is normally higher on those cold winter days. Um, and so again, pressure is, is higher, um, pulling your scent up and, and not, not sucking it straight down into the field where the deer are feeding. Um, so you can you can get away with more. It's it's just like you said, deer are already more relaxed. Um, but but now you you start to and deer still have an incredible nose. I'm not I'm not saying that either. But you 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 put that cold air into them, um, and it and it hinders their nose a little bit, and uh, and really it can be it can be a fantastic time to get on a late season buck. Yeah, well it's it's exciting and. Hope you have some good luck in Oklahoma. It's another good sleeper state. There are a lot of good things that happen in Oklahoma. Yeah, there are. I lo I I have loved hunting in Oklahoma. 
Um, you know, I tell people there's not much I love about the state of Oklahoma, um, especially not the Sooners, but their hunting is phenomenal. Amen. Now, what else about your tactics change during the late season? I've got one more thing that I kind of change up during during late season, but I'm, I'm curious if you have anything else. Yeah, I, I just think um, um, I, I probably, you know, I, I try to find, I try to hunt more on edges, you know, and, and try not to get as deep in the woods because they're back and they're embedded. So I really try to hunt a lot of edges, just really not try to disrupt where, you know, they're trying not to work too hard. Those deer don't want to go a long ways off the food source. So I would just tell you that tactic, just hunt edges, hunt carefully. Don't go back in there and start messing things up, you know, because they're not better too far from the food source. They, they want as few steps as they can take to, to get to their next meal. Yeah. I, uh, and one thing I, I do a lot of in late season and it's more of a comfort factor, um, is switch to a ground blind. Um, you know, I don't want to get snow dumped on me. Uh, it, it can stop the frigid cold wind. Um, and so I, I find myself hunting a lot more out of ground blinds, uh, in late season than I do tree stands. Yeah. Smart. And, and, you know, you know, you may not have a trail that's going by your, your deer stand either. And there may be a place you want to be right in the, the, on the field edge and, and you may, you know, get a good, uh, bush and get in there and you get the warmth, you get a little bit more scent management, even in the ground blind and, and, uh, you might have to do that, to, to get close to where they're coming out. They may change where they're coming out and, and you could be absolutely adaptable like that too. Now, speaking of ground blinds, I put out a post on my social media not too long ago and it was about the benefits of a ground blind. And if it was about, and it was about if, um, they're better for concealing movement or better for, uh, helping control scent. Now I will say this, they are, they are more beneficial for controlling your movement. However, the response I got from that post, I think people largely neglect their benefit of scent uh, because not a lot of people were talking about their ability to help control scent. Um, they can play a major role in helping you control your scent, um, a major role. And, and one thing that I find very beneficial, um, and Mike from Hardcore Pursuit, we, we talked about this. Um, is on those days where there's a, uh, you know, a three to five mile an hour wind, uh, and, and just not a lot of wind, you know, if you're in a tree stand, that's going to blow right down and land right in front of your blind or, or, or right in front of your tree stand or right behind your tree stand, right where the deer are essentially. But with a three to five mile an hour wind, that blind is going to do a great job of stopping your scent. Um, you know, if it is blowing in your face, it's going to do a great job of hitting that back wall and not going through it. Um, not blowing out your other windows or through your zipper or whatever else. But also if you get a bad wind and it does switch to your back, um, that that three to five mile hour wind's not going to penetrate that back wall real well. And you're not going to get a lot of scent blowing through there. Um, so so although a blind is best for controlling or, or for concealing your movement, I believe that, that a lot of people neglect their ability to help you control your scent. Yeah, I'm with you, Dylan. It's a it's a big capital A N D. It's an and in my in my situation. I I can I concur with everything you said on any variability wind, light wind. Um, it just you know it's like I say the best thing you can do if you want to have absolute scent control is hunt in a bubble, right? Because nothing will get out of a bubble. Well, the next best opportunity, and I tell this, and I maybe mentioned this on your show. If you got a buddy or a friend or someone that leaves in no scent management you want to take them hunting i would tell you put them in a ground blind you get some benefit to, to your point by just encapsulating your 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 scent signature within ground blind yet you some will get out no doubt about it but man you're on a light and variable wind you, you're in a pretty good spot especially if you have a dropping pressure um you know mark jury which congratulations scent lock for getting the juries uh, That's a big deal, huh? Greatest whitetail hunters maybe ever. <laughs> maybe ever. Uh, but he talked about it. He talked about, you know, on those dropping pressure, low pressure days, don't get in a tree stand uh, because then it's going to just create a mushroom cloud around you of scent. Um, so so getting a ground blind and it's it's dropping right to the ground, right, right around your feet, and, and it's going to be contained inside that blind. 
Um, so again, I, I know there, there's several benefits to a ground blind, um, largely keeping you out of the elements, largely concealing your, your movement. Uh, but a lot of people just neglect that they can really help you uh, with your scent control. Well, and then and, and that goes right into elevated blinds as well on clothes like the banks and the muddies and rednecks. I mean, that's the other thing you're getting on those elevated blinds, too. And those are actually sealed up uh, even more than ground blinds. So you get a lot of the same benefit there, too. You know, my dad actually drilled a hole in the bottom of his blind um, and and he's got a propane tank underneath his blind, underneath his elevated blind, with just a, a propane hose running through the floor of the blind to his little heater. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you've got it made here, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, before we move on, let me give another quick thank you to our friends over at Boning. I uh, just recently, just today, I've got a buddy coming uh, to hunt with me in Oklahoma and uh, I had to build him some sticks, um, and he's a—he's actually a uh, champion strongman. So uh, I decided to build him a set of hard-hitting heavy arrows, um, since he's a hard-hitting heavy man, and uh, fletched them up with some boning wraps and a four-fletch with the heat veins, and uh, just a phenomenal flying arrow. Um, I went out and shot it. Couldn't shoot it well because he's a twenty-nine and a half inch draw, but uh, shot it out of his bow and. Uh, I absolutely love Boning and all of their products and their their Fredbear uh, branded products. Um, they have some incredible Fredbear br- branded wraps um, with their Fredbear camo and their Fredbear flannel wraps. Um, so go check out Boning for all of your arrow building needs and all of your arrow building components. Aaron, you guys are, are coming to the ATA show, correct? Yes, sir, we are. That's uh, coming right up. I think it's uh, sometime in... In January, I think it's our first week of January, like the, uh, I think it's the 6th, 7th, and 8th this year. Just about a month uh, a month away, and uh, can't wait to get there and uh, spend some time with you guys. I am, uh, I'm excited about ATA this year. Uh, Going to be a good show, and um, what, uh, what all, what all's coming up for you in 2022? Got any big hunts? Yeah, I, uh, I don't have any of the big draws yet. You know, what, one of the things that I've done, um, for 20 years as I've been putting in for a lot of limited draws. So I'm hoping one of these years I, I draw a sheep tag in one of the three states and I hope I draw a mountain goat tag or, or a moose tag. Um, those are kind of the big lottery tags for me outside that I'll be chasing uh, early season whitetail in Wyoming and South Dakota. And I'll try to do some uh, pronghorn hunting and then I'll probably do Kansas for whitetail and <coughs> Nebraska and, and uh, Illinois, so it, it'll uh, it'll be here before we know it. Yeah, you'll have to uh, you'll have to talk Steve into uh, into coming on a. We're going on a hunt in uh, in Texas. We're going on a whitetail hunt with uh, Texas Hunting Resources down there. Uh, you'll have to talk him into 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 jumping in the truck with him and coming down. We're gonna have a blast. No, yeah, I've never hunted Texas before. I've something something I've always wanted to do, but just haven't uh, haven't got to it. Seems like a busy oh, time of year when December comes, and one of my favorite places to hunt in the world. Speaking of ground blinds, you almost have to have a ground blind. Amen to that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you almost have to have a ground blind. There's just you know you're in little shrubs and 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 brush, and and there's no trees. And we actually one year um, we knew where the deer were coming. We we had them pinned down really well, and uh, I was like, man, I don't I don't want to hunt a blind here. Um, and so we ended up putting a tree stand on a, uh, telephone pole and, uh, <laughs> ended up, ended up putting a tree stand on a telephone pole, but you got to get kind of, uh, you got to get that redneck ingenuity going when you're in Texas. Well, and there's just so much diversity in Texas and I mean, there's some giant white tails in Texas and you can be hunting the east side of the state and see one topography or the west side or the south. There's just so much going on in Texas. So it's a great resource. Probably, uh, I know a lot of guys go there. I just haven't taken the opportunity to go there. So uh, it sounds like an exciting trip. Yeah, you'll have to you'll have to tell Steve, hey, listen, um, I'm going with you. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. No, it'll be a good time. Um, before we go. Uh, you've been on the show before. You know what I'm going to ask you. Um, what's a, a tip or trick you've got for me uh, that'll make me a better hunter? Well, I'll tell you one thing that I, I'm going to bring up from my Nebraska trip, and and I, I I know better, but you know sometimes you just don't do better. And uh, if you recall when I was telling the story about that doe running down the fence line, and I was in a pr- great spot where 
typically does that run down a fence line or deer, they like to cross the fence right in front of me and come into a thicket where I sit, where there's a good doe bedding area. And, and um, normally um, I have the fence tied. So I have the top, the top wire and that next wire tied together. So they cross easier there. And most importantly, so I don't touch that spot. And you may have uh, listeners as they that say, "Well, you dummy, you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't cross that that place where that trail is." But I have to. It's really thick back in there, and I actually have to cross the trail. And I've never had an issue with my rubber boots. I cross that fence line and kind of duck in, and, and and I get out of the way. The other fence line on the left and right just have grown up brush, and there's no other way in there. And and I made the because I didn't have the fence tied up. I actually uh, crossed that fence that morning with my hand and I had a glove on. So make no mistake, I was, you know, had a glove on. I pushed down on that wire, hopped over the fence, got my tree stand and she didn't do anything when she's come down that fence line, you know, which I walked down with my rubber boots and, and, or she wasn't small on the ground. She smelled that, that wire, that barbed wire that I had placed my glove on. And uh, it was just enough where she said, nah, I'm just going to go this other direction. And, and, you know, had she crossed that fence line, that buck would have crossed the fence line right in front of me, but she didn't. And obviously the story worked out, but that'd be my tip of the day. It's just, you know, it's early in the morning, haste makes waste. And then I knew better, but I was like, you know what? I, it's, it's, you know, I'm probably okay. Well, that could have cost me a, a, a great opportunity. Luckily, you know, it worked out for me. So that would be what I tell people is wherever they're trying to stay off the trail with your rubber boot, but don't, don't think for a second it was sent lock glove or not sent lock glove touching things. It, you know, they still, they're very smart and uh, it was just enough for her to go the other direction. So that'd be my tip. Just, you know, uh, don't overlook things that you normally not do on a day-to-day basis, and and uh, so that it it uh, worked out, but it could have cost me something. You know, speaking of rubber boots, um, I've always been a preacher of rubber boots, but you, um, when we were at Cabela's, you actually said something to me um, that's changed my mind on boots, and, and you were talking about a full rubber boot and not you know a neoprene upper or something like that, and. Uh, and ever since then, every time I go to grab my boots, um, you know, there's been times where I went to grab um, like a, the Alpha Burley Pro or whatever, and they've got the neoprene upper. And I'm like, nope. Aaron Amber said all rubber. And uh, and I found myself, um, you know, dear, don't don't walk across my path anymore and stop and and bolt. Um, so so could, I mean, I, I have truly taken your tip on boots and applied it. Yeah, well, that's good deal. I mean. You know, definitely if you're not in grass, the, 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 you know, the, the, the rubber clad on the bottom of the boot is still good. Um, but if you have any brush or any grass, that, that neoprene on the top of your boot, that will absorb scent. Um, and it's no different with a pant. You know, if you're in tall grass, just got to keep your arms up and because that grass will hit, you know, an article of your clothing or the top of a rubber boot where you maybe have got a transfer scent on there. Um, they'll pick it up. So, um, yeah, it's you know, full clad rubber boot is, is, is what you need. And it keeps everything as good as good a shape as you can be. Now, um, to your point about touching stuff, uh, cuz Strickland there from Mossy Oak, he talks about imagining yourself covered in orange paint. And when you get to your tree stand, look back and everywhere you've touched or walked or set or, you know, set your bow down or, or touch the fence, you can see all the orange. And your goal is to get there without any orange on the ground. Um, or, or, or on fences or trees or creek crossings or, or whatever um, is to get there with the, the least amount of orange paint left that you can, because everywhere you've left orange paint, you've left scent. And, uh, and so he really, when you think about it like that, it, it becomes pretty easy. Like if you truly climb up in your stand and look back and you're like, Oh crap. Like I touched there. I, I, I sat down there. I set my bow there. I set my bag there, I, you know, whatever. Um, when you think about it like that, it becomes easy to understand how much scent um, you're you're really leaving behind. 
That's a great visual perspective, you know, said like uh, Cuz stated it to you, because uh, you can kind of see that immediately in your mind, that visual of all those orange marks, you know, and, and I hate going down trails. I really do, even with rubber boots, but I found sometimes being quiet and, and not touching every other piece, if you will, of tall brush going in there sometimes is the, the le- lesser of all evils. And, and, uh, but it's really smart to, to the green, stay off the trail, off the trail far enough where you're not being too loud. But if it's tough getting in there, sometimes you have to take the trail and, but just try not to touch things, try to keep tall grass off you. And, and for mo- many deer, it doesn't matter. But I'll tell you, for the right deer, they, they pick up on it. So uh, I think that's a great visual perspective that Cuz relayed to you. You know, Cuz, actually, um, I don't want to say he pioneered it because um, who knows who did. But, you know, he says he'll take a rake in, you know, preseason and then, you know, November 4th or 5th after a lot of leaves have fallen. And he'll actually rake his path out um, to get to his stand. That way it is quiet. Smart. So, um, which, I mean, you're looking at Cuz Strickland, a wealth of knowledge. Um, and so you take everything he, he says and, and, and you hold on to it. But, um, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I am, you guys know I'm a huge fan of Scentlock and, uh, and I'm a huge fan of Aaron Amber. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for the time today. And, and hopefully this was informative for your listenership base. And again, I, my biggest thing, guys, just keep your head in the game. And it can still happen. And and you may have struck out to, to this point in the season, but there's a couple, you know, let's call it five weeks left in the year or four weeks for a lot of people and can still happen. So good luck to everyone. And thanks again, Dylan, for having me on the call today. And thanks for everyone's support our brand. And uh, it means a lot when it comes from your lips as well, Dylan. Absolutely. Well, before we go, let me give a quick thank you to our friends over at Selway Archery. Um, they're your one-stop shop for all traditional quivers. Uh, whether you're shooting a longbow, recurve, or self-bow, um, they have the best, in my opinion, the best quivers for any traditional bow. And I actually just recently got my Kodiak Hunter in the mail, um, which is a gray glass bow. And I'm like, man, I got to make this a Razorback-themed bow. <clears throat> and so Selway made me a custom uh quiver with the razorback branded on the hood just a gorgeous quiver um so go check out selway archery um for all of your quivers uh by the way i also put out a challenge on naming that bow um the razorback bow and i have went with a name submitted by um arrow junkie on on instagram and the name of that bow is going to be tusk um so go check out my instagram uh to get reviews and set up videos of the new bear archery kodiak hunter which i have so named tusk guys thanks for listening you guys have a great week and remember as me and aaron talked about it is approaching late season and that can be your best time to nail down a big buck so don't give up get out there in the woods good luck and as always send me those success photos because i love to share and celebrate in your success 